and a mouse keep running, running and 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 running, running Everybody and welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast, episode 283, as we get closer and closer to the big 300 here. And we're going to go through a bunch of books this week. Brandon's going to join me for Taskmaster, and then I'm going to go through a bunch. And unfortunately, I ended up recording a Spider-Man segment with Clay that ended up being so out of sync that I am still working on it, actually was trying to work on it, why this episode is going up a day late and a dollar short, and I'll probably end up just having to record that myself and then continue doing that, which would be a good little segue into telling people that I end up on the Geek Ultimate Alliance Network. I do a roundup show, a comics roundup show, both a DC one on Saturday and a Marvel one, On Sunday, and I believe that I will end up putting that talk that me and Clay had on Amazing Spider-Man on that show. So if you wanted to go listen to that, look up Geek Ultimate Alliance Network on Sunday. Look for my show there. But with that, I'll tell you where you can find us in the here and now, all things weird science. Go over to Twitter at WS Marvel Comics. Follow us and we will follow you back 100%. I think that is a nice thing to do. And we end up having a manga podcast as well. And we just started it. I'll just throw that out there. If you look up Weird Science Manga Comics on any of your players there and you want to hear me try to figure out the old manga with my man Luke Hollywood, uh, we go through a chapter a week. It's fun stuff. Um, But when we ended up starting that, you know, you you just start a new Twitter and you want to follow some people, but you want some people to follow back as well. And I followed like almost all of the manga podcasts all these manga podcasts i ended up following hardly any of them followed back i'm like look at you guys look at you with your pinkies up the one that did follow though is manga splaining the new chip zadarsky one now they have a reason to be pretentious and things because hey it's chip zadarsky one of my favorite guys they ended up following us back so i give them a huge shout out and tell you to go listen to that as well and follow them on Twitter and everywhere. But you can also then go to our Patreon and support us for all of these podcasts on this feed, as well as our DC Comics podcast, our manga podcast that we're doing now and get a ton, a ton of shows in return. A lot of different things going on. It is at patreon.com slash weird science. And check that out this week. Me and Brandon for the Patreon only spotlight picked by the Get Fresh Crew. Beep boop. They ended up picking the nonstop Spider-Man number one and the Deadpool nerdy 30 number one. So if you want to listen to us lose our minds over those two, you can go over to the Patreon to listen. But we still end up having a bunch of books to talk about here. A couple of these weeks, we haven't had a ton of books coming out. Uh, It looks like we're going to get back to having a ton of books coming out. And so we're going to talk about a bunch. Like I said, I'll go through a bunch. Then we'll go off to Brandon and me talking Taskmaster. Then we'll go back to me talking about stuff, stuff like Spider-Man, Daredevil, Strange Academy, a bunch of things that I have really, really enjoyed. But we're going to start now 
with Spider-Man. And this is Amazing Spider-Man number 61, written by Nick Spencer, art by Patrick Gleason, colors by Edgar Delgado, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. The recap says, with Kindred put away, Peter was finally ready to put the Osborne family drama behind him and return to his normal life. But that normal life didn't involve that crazy new suit on the left, right? On the left. Anyway, Peter shares an apartment with reformed villain in quotes, Fred Myers, air quotes, a.k.a. Boomerang, Randy Robertson, and their pet alien Gog. Gog used to guard the pieces of the powerful Lifeline tablet, which Boomerang and Spider-Man are endeavoring to keep out of Kingpin's hands. But Kingpin has plans of his own. This issue is going to be big because of the suit. People ended up freaking out about it. They didn't like it. Maybe they did. But with that, the idea of this suit being a thing where new people might jump in, you end up having Nick Spencer do a lot of recap in this issue. One of the things about that is, though, that if you end up having listened to us and me talking about this run, you have Nick Spencer sometimes ends up losing focus, not focus, but he likes to kind of have different story threads going. Things are dangling. You end up having a lot of stuff leading to the kindred story. And then we don't finish that. Well, now we're going to get back to some other things, some things that I've enjoyed, actually. Boomerang, Gog, even have J. Jonah Jameson here as his podcasting slash media nonsense going on. That leads to the suit. I will tell you right now, the idea that if you're upset, oh, man, that suit sucks. Peter would never wear that. That is kind of the joke here. He isn't the one who designed it. He isn't the one who necessarily wanted a new suit. It's Nora Winters. And it's almost like the offer that Spidey slash Peter can't refuse. They're desperate for money. He ends up, he doesn't have money for rent. And then he's offered this huge amount of money for the suit. But there's a lot of fun to be had with the suit and what they end up doing. Again, though, I like this issue. I actually had a lot of fun with it. Is it the most important thing going here in, you know, Nick Spencer's run? No, but it is seemingly tying up a couple things, or at least getting back to a couple things. And that's my, my biggest complaint. Isn't that the things are dangling? It's that he leaves things dangling for so long that when we get back to him, he even thinks that longtime readers need to be reminded of the things. And that is the case here. But if you are jumping onto this, because of the suit or whatnot It's actually not a bad place to jump on And I think if you do jump on Not knowing about Kindred all that You can have a lot of fun here Now, there's another thing with Nick Spencer He does not pay attention to other writers Or other books, especially Daredevil Because you do start out After some recap of Peter doing his This is my woesome life here We do get into Kingpin Saying to, say, you know, Hammerhead who we saw in the Daredevil book get shot in the head, and he survived, but still gets shot. Or Owsley, who we saw him pretty much get destroyed by Kingpin. They're sitting around the table, and what you get here is a very surface-level version of what we had that Chip Zdarsky did in the Daredevil book, because Kingpin is the mayor of New York. He can't get his hands dirty in the things that he usually does, so he went to all of the crime bosses in New York and said, listen, you guys, you all get along. We're going to have territories. Everybody do their thing and we can all make a ton of money. Well, here it's more surface level where Kingpin goes and it it goes against what we saw in Daredevil. So I'm not going to say that the continuity is right, wrong, whatever, but it just goes against it. I know 
that with me coming from DC mainly and then coming to Marvel, I end up not worrying as much about an overall continuity, probably because, unfortunately, I'm not as invested of 10 years or so of the books. I'm here to see still what I enjoy and what I do. And I'm enjoying this Spider-Man book and I'm enjoying Nick Spencer's run. So when you end up having the surface level thing that kind of goes against the Daredevil, I just sit there and go, well, it is Spider-Man and Nick Spencer's doing his own thing. And I can kind of go, you know, above and beyond and say, I'll just let it go. But again, it's not as good as what we had with Chip Starsky's Daredevil. But they end up where he's like, hey, everybody, you know, if you all get along, we can have a lot of fun. I'm the mayor. I won't arrest you. I'll have everybody not go after you. I'm after Fred Meyer's boomerang. All of the people there, including also like crime masters, they hate boomerang. So they'll go get him and whatnot. And we'll jump back and forth. We'll go then and see, again, the recap of what Boomerang and Peter have been up to with some panels here that we have seen a couple times in the book. So it's definitely just straight up recap here of Boomerang, Peter going around trying to find pieces of the Lifeline tablet. Now, that is all connected to Gog, who was the, the monster there who was guarding the Lifeline tablet pieces. So then you go back to the apartment and you see Gog. He's a handful. He he eats a lot, including electrical wires and then ruins TVs, as you have both Boomerang and Peter sitting there playing some video games. But you also get this love. It's a love affair, it is, between Gog and Boomerang. Boomerang loves Gog. He's just this little pet deal and has actually forced Peter in a pretty funny thing. And this is where the fun actually starts, where Peter is forced, and he does not look happy about it. He's forced to take pictures of Gog. For those, you know, cute pet sites and Instagrams and, and Gog has his own Instagram at my pet Gog. And it is a hit. People love it. And they do have some sponsorships that are they're trying to work out and stuff like that because Boomerang thinks that they can make, you know, a million bucks. But the problem is Gog eats too much and he's eating more than what little they're getting. And Peter is not going to be able to afford rent. They're going to get kicked out. So he ends up taking an appointment with Nora winners over at the threats and menaces office and there's a pretty cool thing where peter walks in we know that spider-man's already been there he did a podcast with jay jonah and got the tour and peter says it's the problem with secret identities you end up at places and you get twice the thing you get the same office tour twice here where Nora's like okay now peter now spider-man saw this but you gotta come in look at this this is this office this is that he ends up noticing after he sees Jay Jonah, he ends up noticing a Spidey suit. And he's like, what's that? And she's like, oh, well, I'm going to talk to your friend Spider-Man. I think that we might be able to make a deal with him if he goes out in the suit. And this is the suit. This is the new suit. So, again, Nora and the threats and menaces came up with this suit, not Peter. But this suit ends up having augmented powers, senses, things like that. But it also ends up having a point of view camera in the mask in the eyes there that whatever spider-man sees is ending up recorded and transmitted and peter says right away that's trouble i mean you can't have this whole deal well jay jonah comes in and jay jonah is just gunning you know energy drinks he's all fired up and i love this idea and i love the back and forth here because you end up getting a younger guy peter who has no idea how online stuff works and how the Instagrams and the YouTubes, he ends up struggling this whole time with it. 
And then you have a Jay Jonah who pretty much, whether he's old, what he was made for these times. He was made for this kind of journalism, quote unquote journalism, where it is in your face, in the now, all the stuff about, you know, riling up people and getting them fired up. And, and so he is taken to this so well, while Peter, the young guy, is like the old fuddy daddy who he can't even understand what's going on. And Jay Jonas says, listen, if if we do this, and again, Jay Jonah knows that Peter is Spider-Man at this point. So he ends up, yeah, if your buddy Spider-Man ends up agreeing what the deal is, because Peter again says Spider-Man has sensitive things and secrets. You can't just have things transmitting. And so you end up where there will be a delay and Spider-Man can cut it off at all times. And then at the end, Spider-Man's the one who uploads it. He hits it. If it's okay, uploads it. And the only two people that are ever able to see like the raw feed before they edit it and put it out is going to be Jonah and Peter. So it is set up to be kind of safe. You know, this is going to screw things up. I mean, this is worse than when we started off the fresh start, fresh start miles book where he's keeping the journal. I mean, you don't do these things if you're a superhero, but again, Peter's desperate for money. And the money that Nora ends up flashing to him saying, oh, this is the money we'll give Spider-Man. And it, it, it ends up almost making him choke. And so he has to agree so that he can keep the apartment, all that things going. So the fun, though, is that he goes out. And we start off with a scene where he is out and about and he's stopping a bank robbery in that new suit. Well, we get back to that. And it's real fun. I'm telling you, if you can get over the fact that the suit looks terrible, because I don't think it looks good. It's so much fun because he, Peter goes out and he's like, all right, I'm going to go. And you're used to that. And he is used to the inner monologue. That's a big thing with Spider-Man, obviously. Well, the inner monologues now, Jay Jonah, who ends up having his earpiece yelling at Peter in the suit, you know, telling him and then starts telling him, listen, you got to do the one liners. Don't forget the one liners. What do you mean? Oh, what? No, get your phone. People end up being able to pay. To have the one-liners. And Peter says, what are they writing my jokes now? And he's like, get the phone, check it, and do your one-liners. Jake Jonah's like, well, this is how we're going to make money, buddy. And you end up where he's like, oh, okay, uh, this one's from Brandon in Tampa. Hey, Hydro Man, we're trying to have some fun here. Why such a wet blanket? And then go, <laughs> it makes me laugh. It's so bad. And he goes, oh, my God, that's terrible. So he's like, okay, okay get the next one. Go to the next one. He's like, okay. Hey, this one's from Jake. In Des Moines, shout out to my boys, Trevor. Oh, that's not even a shit. That's a shout out. It's not a one liner. And that makes me laugh so much. It makes me laugh so much that Peter is there trying to keep up with this new social media, at least for him, and trying to figure it out. So then they're going to take down all of them and Peter's about to do it. And you end up then he has to do the attack that won the poll. And it is the muck, the web muck. And he's like, really? Like, who voted for this? Uh, it's the, the big winner. You got to do it. All right, here you go. Mucking it up. And he does it and he gets him down. Now, with all of this, Jay Jonah's loving it. I am afraid. I'm not afraid in the way that I think it'll be bad, but I'm afraid that Peter is really going to be taken to this. And he's really going to be a sellout, 120 million percent. That he is going to end up in everywhere he goes, he's going to end up doing this stuff. And he gets done. And then Jay Jonas is like, okay, now, that's great. Now, make sure you tell everybody this is brought to you by you undies. 
He's like, Jonah, there's no way I'm doing it, Jonah. All of a sudden, above him goes up, and it's this big neon deal. Kapow, you undies. And he's like, really? Like, this is how civilization's going to end. He says, I haven't had a villain who did this stuff once before. And you get it. It's Screwball uh, from Amazing Spider-Man number 559. And so he ends up like, all right, well, we're going to go. And even with that, there's Spider-Man. There's Spider-Man bringing down guys. And they're like, oh, man. We got brought down by an influencer, and it, it just made – it's a huge hit. It's a huge, huge hit. I was having a lot of fun with it. I, ha- I almost hate to admit it, how much fun I was having, and it's because of Jay Jonah doing it with Peter that I love. And if it was somebody else, if it was just like Nora or some ran- – no, I don't think I'd have fun. But having Jay Jonah take to, to it so well – and doing all these things and being the producer pretty much of this their online show i thought it was great well you go and see what's happening then at the daily bugle the threats and menaces it's through the roof i mean they're they're just they're lined up with sponsors and things and it's pointed out to robbie roberts and the daily bugle and he's like we're not going to do tricks we're not going to do gizmos and gadgets and stuff like that uh he is not going to you know, get with the times if you really want to look at him in a negative way. But he says we're a newspaper we're going to do investigative journal journalism. And what he ends up having a story is that Tombstone has gone on the up and up. They think that he is fun, you know, grabbing money, putting it into legit stuff. And let's see if he's really on the up and up. In the meantime, you have Tombstone's daughter, Beetle, who is out and about doing things in her all girl group, the syndicate. And they end up thinking maybe she is doing the dirty stuff now. You know, she has taken over the dirty family business stuff while Tombstone's trying to look like he's legit. So you end up having Robbie say what you're going to tell, you know, tell this beetle, tell her, see what's going on. Now, the big thing and what's coming up is that you end up having Randy, Robbie's son, is dating Beetle. So that is how all that's going to come about through good old investigative journalism. And it's not even just going to be supposedly Randy, you know, having his dad upset. But Beetle is going to end up upsetting Tombstone, her dad, because of all this going down as well. And that might be pretty fun. You go back to Kingpin, who's still having his meeting uh, with all these bad guys and like, hey, we got to get Boomerang. This is all Lifeline tablets still. And they end up saying, okay, well, what do we get out of this? And he says, and he has this get out of free, get out of jail free card, a Monopoly card that actually is the Avengers Monopoly, I guess, because it has Iron Man on it. And he says, you really get one of these. It'll be for real. Whoever gets Boomerang, you never have to worry about ever getting arrested. None of your crew, nothing. You'll be able to have free reign, whatever. So they're all excited about that. But they do bring up the point. Yeah, you know, um, seems as if you have the old, and, you know, Boomerang, yeah, Fred, he's easy to take down. He's hanging around Spider-Man lately. That's not so fun. And so what are we going to do about that? And Kingpin says, well, I've kind of figured out a soft spot, a weak spot with all of this. And you do end up seeing the weak spot is Gog. Now, with that, you end up because you want to bring in and Kingpin wants to bring in Boomerang. He needs to find out where those Lifeline tablet pieces are, what they ever, whatever. And the idea that you end with Boomerang, who just can't do anything nonchalant. He is there, full Boomerang costume. He's walking Gog in Central Park and meeting the ladies, trying to hook up all these things with it, right out on Front Street. Gog, at the meantime, is eating his tail. And I'm not saying chasing, he's eating it. 
uh, while these dogs that these girls have are running scared. They, they're probably already peed and pooped just seeing dog. But with all of that, you have Bullseye, who actually looks like he has the target set on Boomerang. But again, if Boomerang dies, nobody's going to be able to tell them where the Lifeline tablet is. So it looks like the plan and the weak spot being Gog, that Bullseye is going to shoot Gog. But that does not necessarily mean anything to me about making Boomerang do any. If you're going to do something, kidnap Gog. Somebody go and grab Gog. And maybe this will be. Maybe they'll end up like shooting Boomerang in the leg. And then somebody will grab Gog. Because that to me is what you need to do. The weak spot is make Boomerang do something to get Gog back. And he probably will. He loves Gog. Um, but it looks like the whole crosshairs of Bullseye is right there on Gog. And Gog seems to notice at the last second. So we'll see what happens there. I am afraid overall that Gog is going to get hurt slash possibly killed. And if that's the case, Boomerang may not be so nonchalant anymore. And if, if Boomerang ends up going ballistic and has some, how can Peter still be a roommate with them? In fact, it might lead Spider-Man to actually have to bring down, you know, Boomerang, at least, you know, stop him from going berserko. And I don't want that because I do love Boomerang hanging because Boomerang is such an opposite of Peter. And it makes me laugh, even from the very beginning, when you ended up having Boomerang wearing Peter's undies. And it was hilarious. So I hope that we get more of this fun because this was straight up fun issue. It really was. Yes, I have been on this podcast complaining that I need more kindred kindred. I want to know more of what's going on. Why don't we have this kindred stuff? Why aren't we progressing this? If we're going to do this, I'm not going to say that it makes it better that we're not finding out. But it's a long form. You keep telling me it's a long form story. So if I'm not going to get kindred and the stuff that i've really really wanted and been waiting for you might as well give me some fun and this is fun and i have gone on the record to tell before i love boomerang and i love podcasting j jonah jameson and we get pretty much both of this with j jonah even upping the ante and i i said earlier i'm telling you he is gunning gunning energy drinks he's spilling them all over yelling and screaming so great so great it's like he's having his midlife crisis while you end up having peter acting like an 80 year old it's great so i'm gonna give this an actual 8.5 overall not gonna say it's like the greatest thing ever because it is kind of silly you have a bunch of things going on but boy it's fun and i put a lot of credence in that but i'm gonna go off to an issue that is not necessarily fun but it is great, and it is Daredevil. And this is Daredevil number 28, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Marco Cicchetto, colors by Marcelo Menez, and way, way down there, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. And we end up having a recap when Matt Murdock was a kid who lost his sight in an accident involving radioactive chemicals. Spoiler alert. Though he could no longer see, the chemicals heightened Murdock's other senses and imbued him with an amazing 360-degree radar sense. Now Matt uses his abilities to fight for the city as Daredevil. Now, I read that not realizing that we were going to get that same, you know, deal that we always do because the other bit here is not that long. Here we go. Electra's Daredevil. I wish that that was just it. But it says, while Matt Murdock serves prison time in his mask as Daredevil, Electra has taken up the mantle to protect the streets of Hell's Kitchen in his absence. And a lot of these things have been really, really good. Matt. Learning that, you know, the whole idea of him serving time because he did the crime 
isn't exactly looked at by everybody as as a noble thing as as what I think he wanted them to and what he believed it to be. That continues here. But you're also getting a bit of Electra trying to do the right thing, almost like what would Matt do as she ends up being the new daredevil of Hell's Kitchen every step of the way, realizing that what Matt was doing was a little more than what she thought. It's a little more important than what she would have ever given Matt credit for. And also that it's kind of making her a more well-rounded person that she probably hates. But we also go into this issue coming off of two issues of King and Black tie-in stuff. I didn't say nonsense because I ended up liking it by the end. The first tie-in issue, though, it threw me off because Daredevil has been such a cool street-level book. That I thought that throwing it into the middle of King and Black, though it makes sense because it's in New York, uh, it, it ended up making it a little too cosmic, a little too big for what story we were going with. In fact, you end up having Matt getting infected by the symbiote, talking to Null, ends up breaking through that by sitting in an electric chair and, and electrocuting himself, which is so badass. And it was really cool. But I was wondering how this was going to be because at first I was a little bit afraid that what Chip Zdarsky was doing was he was going to end up having Matt do well against Null, and then they'd say, you know what? You don't belong here in jail. Let's go. Instead of what we end up having, and Chip Zdarsky, you know, pretty much being the gem he is, is still going to tell his story 100%, where Matt, there are people saying, you shouldn't be here in jail. Everybody's telling him, you shouldn't be here in jail. And you're getting little... Different angles, different point of views about that. You ended up having right away Electra tell him, even when Matt said he was contemplating doing this and actually not fighting it, she said, well, what's better, you going to jail because you killed one person or while you're in jail having 500 people die because you're not there to protect them, which does lead her then to go and protect them. Uh, And with that, it's almost like the I thought. I was teaching you and you were always teaching me and she's finding the love with from within. But Matt is trying to deal with this life in jail, but not just going through day to day life, not really worrying as much of getting beat up or whatever, because in this issue, we're going to see he can handle himself. So that's not, you know, it's not nice to have to fight all the time, but that's what he did as Daredevil anyway. So that's not going to be any bit different there. But he is trying to seemingly in my mind, find one person. That's going to tell him that he is doing the, the honorable thing. He is a noble guy because everywhere he goes, including, you know, inmates, the psychologist on call here in the they're all telling him that he's nonsense. And I think that he really just needs somebody to say, I understand. You know what you do? You are doing a great thing. You are showing the other heroes that they can't just go willy nilly and accidentally kill people. Oh, my God, you're a saint. And then I think he's like, okay, my job's done here, and I'll head out. Um, but what Chip Zdarsky does, it makes it so nothing is surface level. And I, I just ended up saying in the you know Spider-Man with Nick Spencer, the whole thing where he's gathered up all the crime bosses and he's talking to them, that was surface level in my mind because it didn't go anything beyond just Fisk saying, this is what I'll give you, go get that. In this book, what Chip Zdarsky does, including with Fisk, who, again, he does it in this issue where you end up deep diving into the motivations and into the minds of these characters so much that you end up at at points right now, I'm rooting for Fisk. I'm rooting for Fisk to at least get 
something in his life have him and yeah it may end up being that something he wants is to kill both electra and matt but he needs a win this guy we have gone through his trials and tribulations of him trying to be the mayor yeah he wants everybody to you know applaud him and things like that but again just think of the idea in this whole landscape of this book you end up having matt in jail where people are telling him, and even we're like, why is Daredevil in jail? Get him out of jail, whatnot. But then on the opposite side, you end up having Kingpin still as the mayor. And that was shock value before. But what we're seeing with Chip Zdarsky in this book is Kingpin does want to be, and I'll say Fisk because he's, he wants to be a good mayor. He cares about the city. He may be completely psychotic and, and be a bully and all that stuff that he always, but he cares about the city. And we start here where he cares about Mary as well. Typhoid Mary, who he ended up finding in when they had the big attack on Hell's Kitchen and Kingpin rolled up his sleeves and got involved, ended up going and seeing and freeing Typhoid Mary, who didn't know exactly who she was at that point. Well, then she ends up going off, being kind of like a, a you know bodyguard to Fisk going around, and she ended up getting symbioted up, and she ended up having Null in her mind. She was able to break free from that because she was already crazy, and you ended up having Null say, there's two kind of people that can end up not being controlled by me. Those who are really religious, and they may be, you know, misguided by it, but those or people with voices in their head already, because when you end up having this third voice, Mary says, of Null, like she's been dealing with these other voices in her head for so long that she can kind of go against them and whatnot. But the problem is, because this isn't surface level, you end up with her in the hospital and Fisk goes to talk to her and she does wake up and she's like, oh my God, I thought I was better. I mean, when you ended up freeing me in the Hell's Kitchen deal for the first time in my life, I was able to kind of get the balance between these voices in my head. I was able to actually breathe for once, she says. And then that third voice came and effed it up. She says, a third effing voice. And she said, I can't fight the voices with my swords and my will anymore, Wilson. I can't do this alone. And it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And it's Typhoid Mary. I mean, why am I sitting here reading a book where Typhoid Mary is going to make me cry? Because I feel so bad for her. Then to see Fisk there, who he stays overnight there to watch over her, not because she's this crazy villainess that's going to do this for her or whatever, because he cares for her. And he's starting to care more and more. And when she ends up saying, I can't do it alone, Almost, you know, going with the idea that if this keeps going, I'm going to have to end this. I can't do it. He says, you're not alone. And he was about to put his hand on it and he pulls back. And it's just like, oh, my God, like, what's going on here? (laughs) Can I end up falling in love with Fisk and Typhoid Mary? I don't understand. And that's why I love this book. You end up going then to Matt in jail, who... He's trying to figure out what's going. Kirsten comes to talk to him and she says, why did you do this? We could have won. You wouldn't be in jail. You're crazy. Why did you do this? And he's like, I just, I have to do it. I have to end up doing this. And there's going to be a back and forth of this with the idea that Kirsten's like, I'm trying to do my job. My job is to keep people out of jail. You know why? Because jail sucks. Jail's the worst. Jail does not help. You should know Daredevil, because that's how she knows, you know, right now. 
You should know because you keep that revolving door process going. You see when you arrest, say, Owsley, he's out two days later just to go back. Nobody ever learns. This place sucks. It does not help. It hurts. It ends up making you just in this, you know, whole deal, a whole merry-go-round Ferris wheel deal of crime. So why are you doing this? And then she's like, by the way, Foggy, he's okay. And so you end up going from there. That's big. Now, again, you ended up having that big cellmate, Marcus, the guy in the prison that ended up coming up to Matt a couple issues ago and actually was the one who pulled the, the, the switch on the electric chair, too, to help Matt fight off that symbiote. So he did save his life. Uh, but Marcus at one point told Daredevil that you are here and the idea that you're going to be here forever and whatnot, that's a fantasy. That's nonsense. You're not the same as all of us in here. And you end up having Matt ask him and say, hey, Marcus, uh, what did you mean that, you know, me serving a full term was just a fantasy? What's going on? He's like, nope, not here to teach you and just goes away. Now, Marcus is, a, again, just a side character here. He is such a well-developed character and what little we get because you end up where he's talking about points, then he's not, then he's going, and, and you kind of get and you, you do like him as well. But you end up where Marcus gets up and then Neil Riviat sits down and it's nervous Neil. He ends up having a stutter. Matt was the one who actually put him away as a lawyer. Uh, for double homicide So he knows who this is And he's like, oh no, here's this guy I don't want to talk to him And this guy sits down Matt's trying to be nice enough But he doesn't want to talk to him He's giving him like short answers And you end up having the idea where You know, Neil sits down Oh man, that Marcus One day he'll talk your ear off And the next he won't But I bet you'll come back and talk And he's like, listen, Neil I'm I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm not I'm not in the mood for this nonsense And then poor Neil Looks so sad. He just looked, and he's like, "Ah, oh, sure, sure, man, I get it. I just was, I was the new guy not so long ago." So he's, he's like going over to talk to Matt because you know he's the new guy and stuff, or daredevil. And uh, you end up where there's some people watching, which is going to really screw Neil over. But also, a guard comes over and says, "Hey, you got to go see Doc Hayes." And Doc Hayes is the psychiatrist, and she is there because. They're going to have to talk to The guy was, you know, attacked by Null and became a symbiote and then electrocuted himself. They need to talk. Matt says, I'm fine. You know, if this is a PTSD thing or whatever, you know, something with the crisis or all. I'm okay. I don't need to talk about this. I just want to go back to my cell and whatnot. Um, But you end up having Doc Hayes even going. Like each scene stacks on top of the other about what is Matt doing here? Because she says. If you think that you're here like everybody else, you're full of crap because these people were forcefully removed from freedom. Yeah, they deserved it. They did some bad stuff. But they were forced here into a prison that you have pretty much just said, please take me. Uh, Also, they are ending up there where Doc Hayes is supposed to teach them what they can do when they leave you know hey we'll get you skill we'll do this in a place that doesn't resemble any sort of reality they'll ever go to so she says again like kirsten was saying it's messed up nobody really ends up good when you come into here and you have just you know almost like begged to go in you're not the same you're a inequality tourist and she says these people end up like the idea you end up 
not having the same opportunities. You end up stealing something. Then you get put in jail where you're really unequal. Then you get out of jail and you can't get a job because now you have a record. Like, this is the merry-go-round, again, of the nonsense that Matt will never have to deal with. So he's not going to know what this is. He's not going to go... And it ends up reminding me of the song Common People by Pulp. And if you don't know it, you should go about a rich girl going to say, hey, I want to be like a common person. And I, I want to, you know, live in squalor and whatever. And in the song, it says, well, the minute that you see roaches crawling up the wall, you'll call your dad and he'll take you out. You're not really ever going to be a common person. That's just not going to happen. That's kind of Matt here. I, I like that song, too. I'd like to listen to it right now. But, yeah, you end up having all that and. You know, they're going to go and talk. They're going to talk twice a week. And and with that, you even have Matt call Dr. Hayes out and say, well, you're here. You know, you don't have to be or whatever. And she kind of says, like, how dare you? Like, you know, there's other reasons people have tough jobs than just wanting to be there or whatever. And we could find out that she, you know, needs this job for the money, whatnot, or didn't get the opportunities just like it. So that's all pretty good. Well, then you go and see old Neil getting the crap kicked out of him in the shower. And he is getting beat up because basically these guys have been extorting money from him for quote-unquote protection and saw him going and talking to Daredevil, thinking you're just trying to get free protection. Matt shows up and like, hey, we were talking about you, you piece of crap. And Matt ends up, whoa, everybody, let's just calm down. You know, Neil wasn't trying to do anything. They just start fighting. One guy has a shiv. Again, Matt can hold his own. He beats the crap out of all of them. He ends up just knocking them all out. Now, him and Neil are just sitting there. The guards come in and take Matt away. They pick him. But the idea that they say later is that nobody was really hurt. So, you know, he ends up, they all just get taken back to their cells. Now, when Matt's there, we've had this before already, that he ends up hearing what everybody's doing. And it drives him nuts. He can't go to sleep because he ends up hearing Marcus having a nightmare, mumbling a woman's name. He ends up hearing Warden Hollis telling the guards, do not protect Daredevil. Then he also hears, again, pretty heartbreaking for a, you know, double homicide uh, perpetrator. Uh, Neil is crying and it says he's, he's sobbing, trying to catch it in his throat because he's already shown too much weakness because that's what they're, you know, exploiting. So the next day he gets up, guy says, hey, you know, Doc Hayes wants to see you again. He's like, well, she said that we, you know, twice a week or whatnot. I'm not supposed to see her today. And he goes and she says, listen, you know, the warden's a real prick. So I want to tell you this before he grills you about it or whatnot. But, you know, Neil, uh, yeah, he, he was found dead in his cell this morning. And that's like, what? And he's like, oh, my God, these guys. And no, no, he committed suicide. He ended up killing himself. He, he couldn't take this anymore. And you end up having, you know, Matt thinking to himself, oh, my God, it's my fault, and says, I put him here. And you get the idea that, okay, well, maybe as Daredevil, he took him in, or he's saying this like, I put him here because I ended up fighting those guys and things like that. Maybe they would have just beaten up Neil. And then, yeah, he might have been hurt. He might have broken some bones, but he'd be alive. Uh, But Doc Hayes says, no, no, you didn't. I read the file. Spider-Man caught him. But Matt thinks, no, no, I was the one who prosecuted him. I was the lawyer, and I prosecuted him. Now, this goes all in a roundabout deal, again, with what Kirsten said, that this jail deal does not help people. It's not going to help you. It's not helping anybody. Doc Hayes said that as well. And, yeah, you end up where 
you end up having Matt just realizing everything he's been doing might have led to a lot of troubles, not just him accidentally killing a guy as Daredevil. And I think that this opens his mind about everything, including what the law is and being a lawyer and things like that, that I think will change. And he looks like he's going to cry. He has to sit there. He's leaning against the wall. And the doctor says, are you okay? And he's like, no, no, I'm not. Well, we go then and have some quick deal with Fisk telling Wesley that he's sick of being everybody's punching bag. He ends up where I have billionaires going after me. Then I think everything's fine because we're fighting in, you know, Hell's Kitchen. And then all of a sudden the cosmic nonsense happens. And he's like, I'm taking it back. I am done with this. I'm going to get my revenge. I'm going to do something. I'm going to kill them daredevils. And he says both of them. So that is a big deal while we go off and see Electra trying to help Alice, the girl whose mother died when she was a symbiont. And again, it's a nice deal because you don't have just this generic deal. Electra's not going to sit there and pat you on the head and say everything's going to be fine and give you a back rub. No, she ends up where Alice is like, oh my God, it was my fault. My mom died if I didn't go to that bar. And she's like, listen, I know what it is to be the fault of somebody dying because I stick the knife right in their gut and twist it. You didn't do that. So you shut up. She just says, shut up. You didn't do it. Stop it. And listen, you're going to sit there and I'm not here for your therapy. I'm not going to sit and tell you everything's going to be great. It's not your fault, but you're going to be angry and you're going to start getting real angry. And when you get angry, meet me in the gym and, you know, she's going to train her. It's a really really good deal with Electra there then we go off to finish where Marcus comes over to sit with Daredevil he's there eating Matt's eating and again you ended up having Neil say ah Marcus he just goes away but then you can't shut him up later or whatever so he comes over and he says hey I heard about Neil it sucks and Matt's not he's taking a bite of food he's not saying anything but he's starting to look really bad and you end up having Marcus like hey you know, I thought that you'd been through a lot of crap like this, but what what was Marcus to you? Or Neil, I'm sorry. What was Neil to you? Because, man, you look like death. Are you okay? Now, everybody kept asking, you know, Matt, if he was okay this issue. Are you okay? He's always, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Now he says, uh, no, I'm not, because uh, I, I just got poisoned. And so he it looks like he's going to die. Uh, at the end where he has eaten some poison, whoever did that, the, the warden has, you know, it against him. But so does everybody else with this. So we have that end. And it's awesome. It's so good. I mean, it's just so good. And that's why I love this this Daredevil, because the way Chip Zdarsky has set it up, it's such a personal look into these characters that you can have an issue that does not have a ton of action. I mean, we end up having naked guys fighting Matt in in the shower and jail is most of the action. But boy, you just keep turning the page and I'm wanting to know what happened. Getting choked up about Typhoid Mary and then getting upset because a guy who killed two people ends up hanging himself in a cell. And Chip Zdarsky just he knows what he's doing here. And it's so good. Also, when this first started, a lot of people were complaining about this run in this book. And if you go back, you'll see reviews. I'm not just making this up of. There's too much going on, and it's not concentrating enough on Matt, and it's not doing that. Boy, I disagree wholeheartedly since the beginning, really, of seeing all of these things. Because then when you have Kingpin go up against Daredevil, or you get maybe Matt coming out of jail to go see Elect, 
like all of this is set up to just keep going in in such a great way so with that i'm giving it a 9.5 i love the art as well i think that this is just another great issue of this run and if you're looking for a good jumping on point if you haven't been reading this and you're like oh my god jim this sounds great where's the best jumping on point it's issue number one that's what I'm going to say, because that's where you should start, because it's well worth it. I have suggested this book to at least 10 to 15 people personally, and not one has come back and said that they didn't like it. Almost everyone actually thanks me, and I like to be thanked, right? People thank me. Thank you, Jim, for suggesting that and loving it. Ruben is the last one who has gone through it and just loves it. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go off now. To uh, join Brandone Brandone and me are going to be doing Taskmaster Which this is the penultimate issue Where you end up having uh, Tony go off into Wakanda To try to get the kinetic signature of Okoye And it's good Me and Brandon had a lot of fun talking about it So we're going to go off with that And then after that I'll be back with a little bit of Strange Academy And I'm here with Brandone How you doing Brandon? Yo. Yo, when we're right. here to do the Taskmasters, Taskmaster number four, and me and you did not do, I think, the three. last couple together. No, uh, just three. We did one and two. Or we did one and three. And, and No, we didn't do three because I one. think that I didn't even do three after I read it where he goes off to Asia to get, you know, the deal going on from White Fox and things like that. So with all of this i like this i like this series i like this mini for what it is it's a jokey type thing with taskmaster it's getting a little more serious in in this issue at least but it it finds a good balance to be honest yeah yeah i actually agree uh with this one especially and it is like we said taskmaster number four written by jeb mckay art by alessandro vidi colors by guru fx letters by vc joe caramagna one man believes Tony, and that is that he did not kill Maria Hill. Former S.H.I.E.L.D. director Nick Fury is willing to help, but he wants something in return. Before she died, Hill was working on something called the Rubicon Trigger, an old hammer project to access it. Fury needs the kinetic signatures of Squadron Supreme Director Phil Coulson, agents of Wakanda Director Okoye, and South Korea's NIS Tiger Division Director Amy Han. Taskmaster has secured Coulson and Han's signatures after bloody fights with Hyperion and White Fox. His final opponent has no superpowers, but to get to her, Tony has to infiltrate the most technologically advanced country on the planet. And yeah, you end up having, and I'm telling you, it, it is weird even hearing agents of Wakanda anymore, yeah, you know, that whole is. deal. Uh, but yeah, you go into this, and that's the cool deal of having him having to go into Wakanda. He is going to halo drop in there. He's jumping out of a plane, all that stuff going on. In the meantime, you have Nick Fury. He's not so sure about this plan, but it is Tony's plan. Tony isn't so sure about it, but he's going to do it. Uh, Also, I'll tell you right now, it feels weird calling Taskmaster Tony, even though that is his name, because you just are so ingrained to have that be Iron Man. You know what I mean? So when I even when I'm saying Tony, it's like, but you have Taskmaster going in. I like the art. I like. I even like the idea where you end up Taskmaster and Nick Fury are talking. Taskmaster's about to jump off a plane into Wakanda while, uh, while you end up having Nick Fury have beaten up a guy and has a gun to his head as he's talking. Like, these are the most important things that they're doing, whatnot. But you end up having them drop in, and he says he has a plan. And the plan pretty much is to get caught, throw shade at the, you know, special guard of Wakanda, 
uh, hoping just to get a glance at Okoye. He needs to see her yeah. to get that kinetic signature. And, to make and eye that's kind of yeah, and that's kind of <laughs> the thing. Now, last issue when you had White Fox and he was hanging out as little teeny Taskmaster in in the vents, that that was funny. Like he's there looking, and then it didn't work out, whatnot. But this one, you know, it, it's down to the point where it does get extended a little because you end up having them capture him. He says, oh, this is a misunderstanding. Take me to your leader. That whole deal. This is his plan. Um, But the problem is, is they kind of kick him and then put him down on the ground so that he can't look up at Okoye. It's almost like she knows. But then you realize later in the issue, she can't know because she just, you know, squares up with him. I I just they're just treating him like crap is what they're doing. And again, it's Taskmaster. He is. He is a scumbag. That's the problem. And he's playing it off. As if they they may. I don't even know that he thinks they'll go with that. The idea that he's like, oh yeah, you know, you're you're special guard here. They're they're not too good. I figure that I could train them because boy, I'm pretty good at. And he is actually. I mean, he really would be a, a good teacher of things, especially because he you know knows all the stuff. Now, the best part of this in this whole series so far, I swear, was when he was using all the special attacks he had seen people do. But he didn't yeah. know the names of them So he ended up like, man, I wish I knew the cool attack names For this, like, here's a punch from Iron Fist But he didn't know the name of it and stuff I like that, but with this whole deal He's asking for asylum He's like, really? Like, Wakanda doesn't do that You're, you're a scummer, like you said And yeah. then he ends up saying Well, I, I could end up helping And even that, they bring up As you, you know, much to your chagrin They do bring up Secret Empire it, It's come up in spades this I week I know, and, I don't know um, what where it it better not be suddenly just coming you, to slap did, me it, across it the face. It did come again. up a couple times in the book. <laughs> and so Taskmaster, though, and I do like it. He's like, what, what? No, no, I was attacking Atlantis during that. Like, what are you, what are you hip with Atlantis yeah. nowadays or whatnot? Yeah, they, he, he knows they hate each other, so he's trying to rub that in. Yeah, and I thought that it was, it was pretty funny. And, and then he says, you know, I was the one who ended up making that new Captain America. I helped him, all this stuff. I, I can train your men. And then she's like, ha, huh, you know, we'll make you pay for that mercenary, you know. And basically, he's throwing shade at, at the whole deal here, saying that they are not good enough to actually, you know, be without his training. You know, yeah, they can't hold guard, this jock. Is yeah, like he's, he's your guard stinks. Yeah. I, how about you let me train them, the Hutut Zorazi, let me train them, and boy, they'll be pretty good. And they are pissed. And yeah, he ends up getting knocked out. He gets put in a cell. But again, this is like just, you know, with Taskmaster here, you don't really quite know what exactly the extent of the plan is. Because no, no, at no. the end, you know that well, if plus you talk he, to him. He, he wanted nothing to really do with it as he's about to halo drop. He's trying to talk his way yeah, out yeah. of it. So Yeah, because I think he knew this plan stunk. And that's the thing yeah. Tony says. Like or or not Tony. You, now I'm getting except when Nick Fury says, but it's your plan. Because you end up having Taskmaster. I don't know if I like this plan. Well, it's your plan there, Taskmaster. Okay, all right, we'll go with it. But yeah, he's in the cell, and he needs to see Okoye. But he also needs to see her not just standing there. He needs to see her moving around a bit. And you pretty much yeah, to have... to pick up her moves. Yeah, you pretty much have an extended you know, deal here where it's like he's got to go through the gauntlet. He is going to fight this special guard over and over and because they're pissed. Uh, but... He's hoping at least to see her moving around or eventually fighting her. And he does. He, he, he kicks their butt. I mean, he really does. And 
again earlier it was that that fun feel like i said with like oh man i learned this kick and there is still a little bit of this as it goes on but really right away he just uses his you know observational skills and he's like i can't really hurt them by punching them they have vibranium suits mesh suits so i'll just break their bones he ends up getting that one guy looks like he just snaps his elbow the other way and then these others attack but he does end up taking them down and then finally you know koya is like okay let's go let's fight and as they're fighting it's pretty funny because he's learning the moves but he's also very impressed with her because he does say like oh man i i punched that same punch to Cap, and he ended up getting knocked down. Oh, the you kick went, to the sternum. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it, it's like, and he keeps saying, "You're magnificent." As if, I know. As if like he's the in end, love. Yeah, and as and he even says, "Is there a Mister Okoye?" You better watch it with with the string of people being canceled. Pepe Le Pew was on the I list. Know, this week. Really? He's acting very Pepe oh, Le Pew like right Pepe Le Pew here. should have been canceled like back in the day. <laughs> that, yeah, he that, was a creep when people, I was a kid. People are just learning that so seriously. Me and Eric have been talking about Pepe Le Pew as a joke since we started the podcast yeah. so you end up where yeah, i like the the deal she's like, is there a mr general okoye and then she's like well i'm certain there's not a mrs taskmaster and then he even <laughs> says and he says it's kind of tough getting the ladies with this mask i mean i have yeah. a, a skull mask and it's you funny scare yeah. all the good, you scare all the bad ones and attract all the good yeah, ones yeah he's like oh my god it's the worst so you end up where they start fighting and still he's like oh you're magnificent yeah this is great but he does end up getting all of the moves that he needs. And it's a cool fight. You end up having like a montage deal and whatnot. And then by the end, he does end up, you know, being able to at least try to kill Okoye. grabs the spear that she has. And even with that, at the beginning, she has a spear. And he's like, pretty much the idea of like, uh, you're going to fight dirty with a spear. And she's like, yeah, you're a scum bum. I'm just going to go after <laughs> you. She's like, you, you hunt a hyena like you do a hyena. And yeah, by the end, then you end up where, you know, they're going to put him back in, in jail. They're going to do this. They do. They throw him back. But he even says, I think that she likes me because she let me keep my mask this time. And then you get word. OK, you know what? We're going to hand you back over to the U.S. government. They've come. We've made a deal. We don't want you. You know, we could kill you here, but we don't want to bury you on Wakandan soil, all that. I don't know about you, but I knew it was Nick Fury right away. He plays yeah. off. It seems like Taskmaster thinks that it's Black Widow. That has come to get him because he even says, oh, no, she's going to kill me. And, yeah, I, I never thought once that it wasn't. This would be what I would think the plan was. The idea of you get her moves. The minute you do, you know, we'll, we'll get a hold of Wakanda and say, hey, we want him, you know, extradite him and stuff like that. Uh, but they do play it off that you're supposed to think. So I don't know. If it, I don't know how they're playing it because I really I thought either. that it was pretty much on front street that it was Nick Fury. But, yeah, and they end up getting in. And he says, is the door closed? And so he, he must know. It's weird that he plays it off at one point. Uh, I think this was just part of the plan the whole time is that, he, you know, even though he's he, he was scared that playing it off, he was scared the U.S. was coming to get him. I think he always knew Nick was, was going to be the one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I did, too. It's just weird how he says, like, right away, like, oh, my God, no, this is my death warrant. I, you know, and she said, I hopefully, you know, I hope so. But this way, and he says, don't do this to me. I'm begging. This is me begging. It just, it seemed too much. Yeah, it does but, yeah, come he, off weird. Like he really for, especially for Taskmaster. I mean, know? he could just say, all right, this sucks or whatever. He's really playing it up. But he ends up getting into this Nick Fury, as we said. 
And he says, did you get it? And he's like, yep, I got it. We're going to go home. Let's do this. Let's get this Rubicon trigger deal. But then you see at home, you end up seeing Black Widow looking badass with like seven trillion guns and grenades, things waiting. So you're going to go and end it. And this is to be concluded next issue, which is cool. Uh, But I am a tiny bit afraid of the thing. Now, we, we don't know what this Rubicon trigger is, so... We end up having to deal with that. Uh, hopefully, it's not a secret empire thing that'll drive you nuts, <laughs> even though at the end it kind of maybe points that. But also, yeah. you would expect that we're going to get a long fight with you know Black Widow and Taskmaster, which Taskmaster probably by the end will thank her for giving him a whole new set of moves and Move things set, like that. Yeah. And also, I would get that you're going to play that badass deal where he's going to think that he knows all of you know, one, all the moves, and then she's going to have these new ones almost like, you know, hey, I, I'm I'm right-handed and starts doing like some crazy shit like that. So we'll see. But we'll see. It, it was good, though. I, I had a good time with it enough. And the art's pretty good. And I laugh when they mention Secret Empire because that always gets yep. you fired up. But overall, I'm going to give it a 7.5 for this one. Uh, I'm hoping that next issue, you know, really ends with a bang. But you are kind of getting this, you know, Rinse and repeat deal. Go to this place, learn the most. Go to this, but at least they're unique ways that he's getting them. Uh, it's so it's I still entertained like it. me, you know. It, yeah. it, it kind of proves the point. You don't necessarily need a, a groundbreaking comic no, to be no. a good one. It's no. just, you know, it's, it's a nice short, little sweet. It's got deal, a nice right? story to it and, and, you know, some comedy mixed in there. Yeah. I like the way he's written Taskmasters. This is the Taskmaster yeah, I, I, like I enjoy here. What would you give it? Uh, I'm going to give it an 8.5. Oh my I, I God. mean, I, I really like the art, and then this is one of probably my favorite books Marvel is putting out Bro. right now, in all honesty. so I think that it'll play well, too. If people end up wanting to read this uh, in case we ever do get that Black Widow movie ever come out, uh, they'll I be know. up to speed. Just put this, it on Disney Plus, yeah, for This crazy. gets you up to speed, though, with Taskmaster. It really does. I mean, in, in a good way. It's not a origin. Uh, but you get the origin, or at least you get his power set of learning the stuff through that. And I think that that's a pretty clever deal where even when Nick Fury goes and picks up Taskmaster at the end, is like, did you get it? Like, you're you're used to this sort of story going and, okay, I got this zip drive and I got this dossier. The idea that he is going to get the kinetic signatures in this type of thing, but it's still the same thing. He's got to go get it. I think that that's a cool twist for him and, and a cool way to set it up. And, uh, yeah, I'd like uh, at the end, I hope that they get back to the golf tournaments. That, that's what I liked at the beginning. <laughs> was pretty funny. But, yeah. But with that, I will bid you adieu. You're Mr. Adios. Positive this week. And I will yes. go and finish book, this anyway. deal up. All right. We're going to end this whole shebang with Strange Academy number nine, written by Scotty Young. Art by Umberto Ramos, colors by Edgar Delgado, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. While some of the other students were on a field trip to space, Emily Bright was pulled out of class by Dr. Strange and brought to the Sanctum Sanctorum, where he gave Emily a special ring made from a piece of Doyle's bonding crown. Bonding, bounding crown. I don't know why I thought it said bonding. I can't talk. As it means to keep the magic she absorbed at bay on her way back to class, Emily was approached again by the voice behind the door in the Sanctum's basement. I think it's Dermammu there are still many mysteries for the students of Strange Academy to uncover. And so we're going to go off, and it's family day. It's family day at the Strange Academy. But before we get to that, we have to see an awful family scene with Calvin. We haven't got a lot of Calvin backstory. Well, we see that he has gone through the foster system, 
And a year ago in New York, Calvin's foster home, you end up having his foster mom and dad say that he stole the credit card because he ended up while eating KFC has a fancy leather jacket on. It's the jacket that we've seen, a jacket that's protected and saved Calvin's butt more than a few times in the series. So when you end up having moms like take it off and he's like, nah, I found it in, in the closet. I think some other foster kid left it here. But I like having it on because it makes me feel, and the foster dad, you heard your mother, take it off. Calvin gets up, she's not my mom, and it's going to be a showdown right here. And you end up having this foster dad grab Calvin, try to get the coat off him by grabbing him from behind. And then he falls out of his chair backwards and hits his head on the table, which does cut him. And then he says, and you're not my dad. And then the coat goes ballistic the coat ends up wrapping around this foster dad like a straight jacket and then with the arm goes and chokes him out and kills him and then calvin's like oh look at that and the mom's like oh my god you he he killed him and he won't be the only one (laughs) you're like oh my god calvin what happened then he wakes up he's actually daydreaming or dreaming i mean i hope it's not daydreaming dreaming in class but this feels completely real especially with the idea that you have the placard that spells it out new york calvin's foster home a year ago like then this is very specific for just a dream and then later with family day happening he tells your mama or doyle i mean says yeah you know i don't think any of them people that were my foster parents are going to be coming you know what i'm saying uh well with that you end up having them say hey everybody that's going to be family day Go out, have fun with your family, introduce them to your friends. We're going to have games, all these things, contests. And they go out. Well, you end up having Doyle and Calvin. Doyle says, my dad ain't coming. They ain't giving no guests past to Dermamo, the dread Dermamo. And then Calvin says, yeah, I think some of these foster parents that I had would probably give your dad a run for that title, dread. How about we just go off? Now, in reality, they'd probably go off and smoke or something, right? Maybe smoking cigarettes behind a trash can or something. No, no, no. They're going to go off to the storage facility to look at all the magical trinkets and things. But while that's going on, you end up having the rest of the kids have their families come and introduce everybody. And, and it's nice. It's pretty cool where you have Emily go and her parents. We haven't seen them in a while since that first issue. She goes running out and you end up having her dad. Now, with that, Most of the other parents are fairies, zombies, you know, Loki, things like that, where you end up having a really cool thing with Emily's parents because they're just normal muggles, if you will. And you end up having the dad like, oh, my God, what's that? Oh, that's Cat Beast. Oh, my God, what's that? Oh, that's a frost giant, Gus. Gus is so cute. Gus is like, hi, (laughs) just standing there. Oh, And then you end up going. To see others like Shaylee goes and gets her mom to introduce to Toth and says, oh, my God, there's Toth. You know, his mom's a queen just like you, but not really like you because they're made of crystal and things. And Toth, he doesn't talk much. Wouldn't that be crazy if I didn't talk much? And the mom's like, yeah, it'd be real crazy. I mean, stop it. And that's really cool. Right. So then you go off then and you end up having a. I don't know if it was like out of nowhere because it is neat and whatever, but Alvy and Irik are there and their dad can't show up because the brother Loki shows up. So you're like, oh man, Thor can't make it. So Loki's there and says, yeah, your mom, he ain't coming either. And you end up like, okay, well, Uncle Loki's pretty fun. You have that. You end up then having Zoe introduce her family to Desi's 
family and you end up having Zoe's dad talking like a dad and making everybody embarrassed. Oh, Zoe, that's the one you have a crop. And dad, I'm sorry, Desi. And Desi's like, it's okay. It's really okay. Well, you end up having Desi's dad's like, and he is just just a devil. Can I go now? I have a lot of minions in limbo. I need torturing. But he kind of sticks around. And they're going to have this big fun time where they get their family day t-shirts, different colors, different teams. And you're going to have contests. Well, Emily's mom, we find out, is not very good with things like that. I can pretty much say I'm just as bad. Though, I'll point out. What ends up being a very competitive woman here, she's also a very bad winner. Uh, I am a bad loser. I'm not a bad winner. If I end up winning, that's what you're supposed to do. And I kind of stay to myself. I'm not much of a celebrator. Uh, but if I lose, then I'm pissed. And then I, I get all crazed up. But with that, she is a bad winner as well as they're going to go through different games and things like that. And what ends up being is that it's a rivalry between her and Loki. Because Loki doesn't like losing either. Well, while that's going on, you do end up having Doyle and Calvin down in the storage area where they're going through all of these magical things that by the end we find out that any one of them could have just destroyed everything around. They're doing all, and talking and stuff. And you end up having Calvin put on these lightning gauntlets. And the big thing then is he accidentally electrifies Doyle, who falls down. He's okay. He's like, I'm fine, whatever. But take those things off. I hope nobody hurt us well you get the deal where the mindless ones a bunch of mindless ones show up and they don't seem as mindless you even end up both calvin and doyle recognize this but doyle realizes and and, you know pretty much should be the right says these guys think i'm my dad you know jermamu's the one who made them the mindless ones i end up looking at the you know they're they're gonna try to kill me they're gonna take revenge these things seem to be thinking And he tries to say, listen, that's my dad. I don't like him as much either. He's a real jerk, whatever. Uh, By the end, though, you end up having, again, Calvin having to save the day. And Calvin gets real dark again, gets real powerful, and almost kills them and says, I was going to kill them. But then Doyle says, I stopped you, so don't mind. Don't worry. You didn't do it. But boy, little Calvin. It is getting so, so dark. Now, while this is going on, you have this family day and you have Emily's mom being a real jerk and Loki competing, all that. It's not much, but it's there for some laughs. And you end up having Emily's just so embarrassed with this going on. Well, you end up then with all this trouble and all that, you end up having Doyle and Calvin kind of come out of the storage area to check what's going on. Hey, maybe the family day's over. They go and end up seeing Loki get shoved out of bounds in a race so that he's disqualified so Emily's mom can win. Uh, But you get a nice bit with Doyle and Calvin becoming friends now. They even fist bump at one point going. The art's great. At points, I will tell you that it got a little confusing. I think that the angle should have been pulled out a bit on these bigger scenes that's going on. But you get most of what's going on, the, the confusion I had the most was in the storage area of exactly what these attacks and things were going on with the mindless one, but not enough to throw me off. But it's it's one over by the end, and it really is great because you have Doyle then, have Emily come up, see him, oh my god, Doyle, where were you? And hugs him. And now just think of this, where you have Doyle who's pretty much you know, a pumpkin-headed looking kid whose head's on fire. It's orange. It's going. When Emily comes up and hugs him and then introduces Doyle to her parents, 
he ends up blushing and blushing in that means that the fire and his it's pink now and i thought that was such an awesome little teeny bit that was added in and i'm like that is so cool to actually think that and go well what how do you get a kid whose head's on fire like how do you make it so that he's blushing and it makes it so that it's even more obvious than a normal kid i thought that was really cool there when she is uh you know emily is introducing him to her mom and dad especially the dad who's like oh my god you know emily's told us all about you that's really cool well you end up at the point where dr strange shows up and there's voodoo there all that and they're like hey uh by the way calvin and and doyle just because your parents aren't here that doesn't mean that you don't participate here so we're going to have the race again, and it, it, the race is called the parent trap as they go. It actually reminds me uh, a bit just by name and, and the whole idea of it if you watch the movie Sky High, which I love and I think is a very, very underrated superhero movie where they end up playing Save the Citizen. And, uh, yeah, again, if you haven't seen Sky High, you should go and do that, and it's a shame in my mind that we never got a sequel of that. And then it ends where you know they're all going to go through that maze and the race again and have fun. And then we end up seeing in issue 10, which we always do at the end, you see a cover. It looks like they're going off to Asgard. But one of the funny things is, and you have these as well, where at times we have evaluations, we have notes or whatever, you end up having the Parents' Day race results. And you see that Mrs. Bright, Emily's parents, or at least mom there, uh, from the yellow team, ended up winning the race with an 18.5467 seconds or whatever the increments there are. Loki's second, but somehow is is a fraction quicker. And then there's a note. Somebody look at Loki's time. I mean, there's something weird going on. But then you also see the damage report from the storage facility. And you realize just how crazy that stuff was that was going on and how close they were to just destroying the world in that. But there's a big thing at the end, which probably will come up. The Mystic Visions globe, glass shattered, gas, gas escaped high priority and that actually sounds a lot like the kind of alias and things of the orb of of uh agamotto and i wonder if that is the case or it's just something else with that but it says you know high priority they have to go but you also have the loki voodoo doll completely scorched ancient ones hanging perpetual flame lamp glass shattered fire still lit uh, as guardian guards long axe handle broken lightning gauntlets discharge missing left gauntlets pinky finger and the rose of despair glass encasement crack no deadly energies have escaped so that's some fun little tidbits at the end in an issue that i really enjoyed and i'm gonna give an eight out of ten i like most of the books if not all the books actually that i talked about here tonight even with brandon as well so that is it i hope that everybody enjoyed listening i hope that you don't mind hearing a lot of me going, but I think that with the idea of getting more and more books on and trying to have a little bit of an expanded roster of books each time, I think that it's going to be a bit of me. So I hope that that doesn't turn you off like it would my wife. I mean, really, she she hears enough of me talking all the time. She says, uh, you know, I'm like Shaylee. I don't shut up. She says, I don't believe it, but uh, whatever. But that is it. Thanks, everybody. And again, please head off and check out our Twitter at WS Marvel Comics. If you follow us, we will follow you back 100%. And then if you want to hear, at least this week, me and Brandon talking about nonstop Spider-Man number one 
and the old Deadpool Dirty. I always want to say Dirty 30. Deadpool Nerdy 30, number one. That is on our Patreon-only spotlight this week. Each week we have two books picked by the badass to get fresh croup, beep, boop, as well as other podcasts as well. One of the things I do each month is have a character and book of the month. I have a character for both DC and Marvel, and then a book that's normally a indie-type book because we talk so much of Marvel and DC. And this month we end up having... The Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, is the character of the month for Marvel. Tim Drake Robin is the character for DC. And the book is Fables. The Fables book that came out a while ago is the book of the month where I'll go through a bunch of stories with each of those. So if you want to hear that, tons more manga podcasts, things like that, go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science. But thanks, everybody. And I'll talk to you later.